Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue. this, this is, pod, is for the you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. And just like that, he's gone. This is EJ Stewart along with Tommy Beer. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. And Tommy, we got a big show lined up. We'll be talking, of course, about Kyrie Irving, his move out of New York, out of Brooklyn, out of the Eastern Conference. He's traded to Dallas. We'll talk about the ramifications, not just for the NBA, but for the New York Knicks as well. We'll also talk about this big win the Knicks got on Sunday, beating Philly, a game that they had to get after dropping an overtime thriller on Saturday to the Clippers. So we'll discuss that game. We'll talk about some of the interesting developments from that game. You had no RJ because of an illness. You had a big performance from Evan Fournier and Deuce McBride. So Plenty to get to from that one. And we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. And now everybody's aware of it because we saw the biggest fish maybe that would be available uh, move this this uh, this weekend in just a day after Kyrie requested a trade. So more trade rumors regarding the Knicks. So we'll, we'll break that down as well. Could Obi Toppin be on his way to Utah? We'll discuss that. So plenty to get to on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, how you feeling? Feeling good, brother. Um, plenty to discuss uh, here on a Monday morning as we record. Um, lots to talk about. NBA trade week is going to be crazy. Already got a little crazy. And the Knicks yep. crazy 22-23 season. Um, they authored another exciting, remarkable, surprising chapter last night against the red-hot Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, and we will get into it. But first, let me just remind everybody that this is, once again, um, Orange and Blue Buzz, and R- uh, a New York Knicks podcast that you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature so you can uh, get these episodes whenever we drop. We drop three times a week, so make sure you hit that auto-download feature and subscribe to the channel. And give us a five-star review if you're enjoying this uh, uh, podcast. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. We're now on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports channel. So if you want to watch our handsome faces along with getting this great commentary, make sure you find us on the Odyssey Sports channel. So let's begin with these two eventful games the Knicks played this weekend, splitting back-to-backs at home after losing the overtime heartbreaker on Saturday to the Clippers. The shorthanded Knicks rallied on Sunday to defeat the Sixers. Excuse me, they, they lost to the Clippers on uh, Saturday. They bounced back to beat the Sixers on Sunday at MSG. The team was playing without R.J. Barrett, who fell ill prior to the game. He was a late scratch um, after they went down 21 points in this game. 
you had a, a big, big performance from the bench. You had Evan Fournier coming in off the bench. He had a season-high 17 points, hit some monster threes in the fourth quarter. Deuce McBride chipped in 13 points. He hit a monster three in the third quarter. So all-around team effort from the Knicks. And you had your starters also, the guys that – one guy's an all-star, one guy you hope will be an all-star soon. Uh, Julius Randle, 24-9-7, you'll take that. Jalen Brunson, 21-7 and seven for him, you'll take that as well. And defense was a big key in this one for the Knicks. They held Philly to just 40% shooting from the field, 28% from three. So a wild weekend to consider they were able to get that game on a back-to-back against Philly, who's one of the hottest teams in the league coming into that game after the disaster on Saturday where they make that another kind of miraculous comeback that ends with a, a, a Nicholas Batum three-pointer at the buzzer that sent it to overtime and Knicks folding uh, in overtime against the Clippers. So, um, wild weekend. Let's talk about this game on Sunday. Tommy, how was the bench able to turn it around for New York on Sunday? Because to me, that was the big key. No question. Um, OB plus 17 in 13 minutes. Hartenstein plus 19 in 25 minutes. Fournier plus 28 in 23 minutes. And Deuce McBride, who all of a sudden is playing with a lot of confidence on the offensive end, uh, plus 34 in less than 23 minutes. Just remarkable. And we'll talk about each of their specific contributions. But I, for me personally, I just want to – I think it's important just to note um, how impressive it was to, to get this victory um, for the team, for the coaching staff deserves credit. Um, yeah. If there was, and I tweeted in the first quarter, and I thought it in the second quarter, and, and again in the fourth quarter, if there was ever a point in time where you you don't want to say you, you're you're okay with, but you understand a team letting go of the rope, it was last night in that spot. They yeah. were, you know, the the, the 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 Clippers game ended like nine thirty, like six o'clock. The, the Knicks game was supposed to start at six o'clock, but we had to bump <laughs> right. it back because there was yeah. a duck duck goose NFL tournament uh, you know, <laughs> playing flag football and, 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 you know, come on, a rock, paper, scissors, shoot, anything the NFL <laughs> does um, is going to get, you know, precedence over a regular season uh, NBA game. But, but that's either, you know, there we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, six o'clock tip, you know, so the 22 hours removed from a devastating, heartbreaking home loss in overtime to the Clippers, the Knicks are without two starters, Mitchell Robinson, and R.J. Barrett, who was ruled out basically minutes before the opening tip um, after he threw up after warm-ups. So the three starters that were available had logged 40-plus minutes the night before. Knicks are playing the Sixers, who had won 22 of 27. That's the best record in the NBA and the second-best net rating in the NBA, dating back to December. 2.30 left in the first quarter on Sunday night. Knicks, uh, this, this Philly is up 33-12. to 12. Knicks had never come back from a 20-point deficit, deficit this entire season. Um, you know, if there, again, if there was ever a time for, for a team to say, all right, this is a schedule loss. It sucks. It happens. Yeah. What can we do? Let's pack it up. Let's take this L and save our energy for the next battle. You know, um, they didn't do that. This team doesn't do that. We can fault, and we do fault Tibbs a lot for his lack of X's and O's, all the other things. The one thing you can say about the Knicks since he arrived in New York is they come prepared. And there were a few yep. blowouts earlier this season, and we got, him, got on them for that. But over the last few months, every single night, 
up big, down big, these guys compete. They fight hard defensively. Um, you know, so that's a reflection that, you know, credit goes to the bench, credit to Evan Fournier for staying ready. Um, and just this team, man, like you, you have to give them credit. Um, for, you know, again, a lot of teams, NBA is a marathon, 82 games. You play on a back, you know, a lot of back to backs. You just, you know, a lot of teams would have folded up and went home and, you know, and, and we've seen the Knicks do that from basically 2001 through 2009, you know, for, for basically yeah. two decades, we saw that night, and, you know, continually um this team doesn't do that huge credit um to those guys um so i just thought um from that perspective really impressive performance uh from for, from the knickerbockers yeah and in the post game you know tom Thibodeau was asked because they talked to doc rivers you know just right before tom Thibodeau came into the press room and doc rivers said that he felt like the knicks were the way more mentally tough physically tough team in that game and, you know, they asked tips like, you know, do you feel like that is really a reflection on the team you're trying to build? And I thought he had an interesting comment, commentary, not just that, but also just understanding that this is a team that continues to have growing pains when it comes to closing games. And the fact that they that, you know, a team like the Sixers and Doc Rivers can look at them and say, hey, they, they, they look like a very mentally tough team. Um, it, it's part of the core. So I want to uh, play sound from Tom Tittle from last night talking just about that. Yeah, no, we have a great group of guys. And so. Uh, we have a lot of young guys that are in the rotation, so but we're learning. And there's sometimes we're going to make some mistakes, but we want to learn from the mistakes and get better for the next time. So that's really the, the thing that we try to drive home, make sure the process is the right process, uh, make sure we're working the right way. We put the necessary work into getting ready to play each game, and then there'll, there'll be some ups and downs. And so... Uh, but we know it's a long season and just concentrate on, on team improvement every day. So hopefully a week from now, we're better than we are today. And if they're better from a week from now than they were on Sunday, then the Knicks will be in really good shape because that's a really good Philadelphia team that they beat, team that you said was red hot. And to do it without Mitchell Robinson being able to guard Joel and B for any part of the game, obviously Mitchell Robinson didn't play. Uh, Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein really made him battle. The guy lived on the free throw line because he gets every call. But still, you know, keeping them to 31 points on 6 for 16, uh, you'll take that, you know. And he made almost all his free throws. But there may be a night where he won't make as many free throws as he did in that game. So uh, that's a, a winning effort from there. He kept them under his average. The guy averages like 33 points. So uh, credit to them for that. Credit to the defense on Harden. I think they kind of made Harden purely a passer, which I think you got to do. You know, to me, when you're playing against the Sixers, you can't have Harden get – you know, 12, 13 assists, and then add 25 points. You know, they, they really kind of kept him out of the paint, kept him from being a scorer, kept him only as a passer, and really a lot of his damage happened mostly in the first half. But we talk about uh, this bench. First of all, credit to Tid for deciding to stick with Deuce and Fournier as they were playing great. Quinn Grimes, I thought, actually also was playing pretty well in this game, but Fournier had gotten so hot, and surprisingly, he started getting some stops too. Um, he, he, he was guarding harder for stretches at fourth quarter and, and did a pretty decent job. So, uh, credit to him. Obviously he stepped up big and Deuce McBride again, the defense and now the shot making, which I thought was also interesting as well, because as you noted, he's starting to shoot the ball a little bit now. You know, there was a, a long stretch for this season where he just was not making any shots. And, um, one of the things tip said also in the post game was that the Knicks track their shooters or all their players. Um, and they're shooting during practice. So they say when they look at Deuce McBride's, you know, practice shooting numbers, they're usually really great. 
So he had confidence that eventually the shot would come around, which is essentially funny to me because as Nick fans had noted and I had noted, like whenever Deuce Pride Pride plays anywhere but an NBA court, he shoots the ball extremely well. You know, we're not at practice, but we did see him at Summer League. We do see him when he plays in the G League. We did see him at West Virginia. He's typically a pretty good shooter. We don't I don't know why he struggles so much in the NBA game, but uh, they, those guys that work paying dividends and step Evan Fournier staying a, a professional and being able to step in. And, and he said he learned he was going to be playing during the, the the national anthem. That's how late it got for him because of uh, him getting no understanding. He's going to get a lot of playing time. So a really great win by those guys and big shout outs to the bench. A hundred percent. You know, just uh, again, the, the, the staying ready, staying competitive, um, you know, it, it is really part of being an NBA player. You mentioned Deuce. Final three weeks of January, he was two of 16 from downtown. Through three games now in February, first week of February, he's seven of nine, uh, seven of 10 uh, from long range. So, um, you know, again, credit to him um, staying in the gym, staying ready, you know, keeping him, keeping confidence in himself, and, and, and it's really paying dividends um, for the Knicks. Another thing to, to point out, um, you know, we, we had kind of, uh, derided some of the Knicks wins during that eight-game winning streak and, and the subsequent yeah. game winning streak was you know was over four teams. Last two weeks the Knicks have beaten the Celtics, the the number one seed in the East, the 76ers, the number two seed, the Cavs are the five seed. They beat Miami. Um so just you know that 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 is another thing that that New York can kind of hang their hat on. Um and also you mentioned defensively Sixers uh coming into Sunday night Sixers had scored more than 100 points in 29 straight games. The last time they had failed to score 100 was in November. Um uh, the Knicks held them to 97 last night. Um so again just, and, and on the season uh, New York is 20 and 0 when they hold the team to 108 points or less. Um all that being said I just one other note on on Sunday night uh, Sunday night's victory over the Sixers. Yeah. Every Knicks fan on the planet, assu- they didn't just think, they knew New York was going to give back that lead somehow. Oh, they yeah, were, yeah. They were up nine with three minutes yeah. left. They were up 10 with two, 15 left. Every Knicks fan, and the Knicks, to the- Knicks tried to give it away a couple times. No, you know? yeah. It was, you know, Deuce said to save one, you know. Yeah, he couldn't get the ball across half four. Gardner yeah. style, looked like a D-back, you know, <laughs> tipped, tipped it back in bounds. And they, I, and it just seemed like the Knicks kind of got some lucky bounces and some lucky breaks. I was thinking, like, maybe the basketball gods wanted to reward New York for just competing so hard, shorthanded against a better, you know, more talented team. Uh, but, uh, you know, to their credit, they hung on and, uh, you know, secured the victory. Yeah, yeah, no, much credit to them. And I, I do want to give a lot of credit to Isaiah Hardenstein, too. Because I know I mentioned him briefly earlier, but I think he had 14 rebounds in this game. I mean, the offense rebound he had on uh, one of those uh, missed free throws where, you know, Embiid's there and, and Tobias is there, and he, he just muscles Tobias for the ball. It might have been the most impressive rebound I've seen from any Nick this season. I know Randall's had a couple of really great offensive rebounds. But to, to me, like, when I saw him get that rebound, I said, they're not losing this game. Because they're playing with a level of intensity and and effort that you know, Philly is not matching right now, and I will say like you know evaluating Philly, and you know it's only we we only seen Philly twice or three times this season, twice fully healthy with Embiid and Harden playing together. You know a little bit of a disappointing night from them. You know they're a team that you know before the season I picked to go to the championship, so uh, to see them get up that early and then you know blow that lead and then like you say in the fourth quarter, you talk about teams letting go of the rope. Uh, not to mention Doc saying that he felt his team just didn't show any mental toughness. Uh, they kind of let, let go of the rope, I felt like. Because like you said, the Knicks gave them opportunities to get back into that game three minutes ago, two minutes ago, and they just didn't seem 
kind of all there. They were, didn't seem executed. They didn't seem interested in getting back in that game. So I think a disappointing effort for Philly, for sure. The I understand Philly, you know, there there are reasons to believe that they can make a deep run and, and go mm-hmm. all the way to the finals. Uh, Embiid is – I don't know what you do with that guy. I mean, he's just incredible. Yeah. Um, that, that Embiid Harden pick and rolls almost unstoppable. You're going to see it, it possession after possession after possession after possession in the postseason. Um, you know, when the game slows down a little bit, I don't know how you stop Embiid, uh, but I am not a Philly guy. I'm not a believer that they, that they can, can you know, um, give me the Celtics, give me the Bucs. Bucs are my pick preseason. I'm still sticking with them. Um, I just, I, I, that's a soft underbelly. I don't trust Harden in a big spot. I don't trust Doc Rivers right. in a big spot. Um, so when your point guard and your head coach, um, you know, we've known about Doc Rivers. This isn't the first big lead he's blown, and he's blown a lot of big leads. <laughs> um, that is true. Harden is just aesthetically, it's just hard to watch. And I, I, I'm just, I've never been a Harden fan, especially at this stage of his career. Um, if the Sixers, if, if I'm Philly, I get Tyree, Tyrese Maxey more involved. I understand he's working his way back from injury. Um, so he's coming off the bench. Um, but if, if they're going yeah. to make a, you know, if they're going to surprise people and not even surprise people, they're a top, you know, two seed, three seed, whatever. Um, it wouldn't be shocking to see them make a deep run. I think Maxie's going to be a guy. Maxie and Embiid um, will take on – Maxie's role will increase. And, and Harden's going to give you what he's going to give you. Um, you know, he's, again, he's great, great passer, underrated passer. He's always a great scorer. Um, but, yeah. but he's a fantastic distributor as well. Um, but, again, that's just, you know, my feeling. On my, I, I would not bet against the Sixers in a um, – a series against some of those other top teams out in the East. Yeah. And, and a lot of the reasons people would feel concerned about Philly kind of, you know, showed themselves in that game, despite how great they've played. And, you know, like it felt like they made some off season acquisitions. They felt really kind of improved the kind of the toughness of the team at a PJ Tucker, uh, the Anthony Melton has been a great pickup for them this season. Um, so you, you add some decent pieces there. It feels like they maybe need another score off the bench. Um, that's maybe why Maxi they're not like rushing him back to that starting lineup because they may feel like, hey, we can use that offense on the bench right now. Besides him, I mean, Melton was on the bench for a while, but then after that, George Niang really is a scorer. That's all he really got. Uh, so, so they're gonna need probably another scorer. But it, it, interesting game. I love these matchups. The Knicks play some of these top end teams, and, and you got teams that you, you expect to probably see in the second round or maybe the conference finals. And you you kind of get to see how the Knicks measure up. And the fact that the Knicks were able to find a way to get that game especially after the, the heartbreaker they, they, they had on uh, Saturday. Definitely a good win. And and, and last note on this uh, real quickly, because I, I feel like I have to play this soundbite. Um, Evan Fournier was asked after the game uh, if he felt like, you know, this is a chance because of how he, well he played that he could be getting more minutes and more time in the rotation. He had maybe one of the funnier answers I'd heard from any Nick player in a post-game press conference. Here's Evan Fournier when asked uh, if – he will be getting more playing time after this uh, big performance he had. You know, performance like that against one of the best teams in the league shows tips maybe, you know, get no, you back in there. I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, he said on his nine-minute rotation, uh, it, you know, it was like a, a fun one-night stand. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean, I, I think he said on his nine-minute rotation. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, you know, throughout the course of the season, there's always, you know, sometimes a guy is sick, sometimes there's an injury, so – you know, I'm sure I have another chance to play, but uh, I don't think it's going to change anything. 
a fun one night stand is what Evan Fournier called that performance uh, at Madison Square Garden against the Sixers. Um, one guys, break honesty. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was thinking and kind of joking with a buddy on text was the Leon Rose should have been on the phone with the Lakers or whoever and tried to trade <laughs> before the buzzer sounded in the fourth quarter. Like just trying to, you know, like listen, this, you could get this guy if you want him, you know. Yeah, I, I tweeted during that game. I was like, hey, everybody, 29 NBA teams. This is Evan Fournier. I know he's been on the bench, but this is what he's capable of. He could bring this on a night-in, night-out basis. You should be knocking down next door to get this guy on your roster, get your guy, get this guy in your uh, in your rotation because he's a knockdown shooter. He's a playmaker. This is what you need. So um, so all jokes aside, though, credit to Evan Fournier for stepping up and um, and and playing a really high level, considering when he's been put in that spot before, he's not played well. He's not giving the Knicks anything, essentially coming off that bench when there's been injuries and things like that. So do it in a weird way. I almost wonder if, like, the fact that it was so last minute helped him because yeah. you have these games sometimes where, like, you know, okay, RJ's out or one of these other guys on the wing are out. He knows he's going to play. He hasn't played in a while. Maybe he gets in his head. Maybe to know right, you know, during the national anthem, hey, you're getting in the game. You just go out there and you just play. You're not really thinking so much about, like, the circumstances. It, it, I, no one asked him it because I watched the whole uh, media availability yesterday, but I almost wonder if that maybe helped him because that's the best he's played in that circumstance this season. Um, and that's that was kind of the Fournier I thought that they could get when he got moved to the bench. Yes. And then they, they tried it for a little bit and they, they did not get it. But Knicks win this one, uh, a big win for New York. And um and it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I have a, I'm, I'm gonna hold the question about the playoff matches when we talk about Kyrie Irving because I do think um what, these Eastern matches could be interesting considering what we saw from Philly. But yeah, what you can say. One other real quick thing on Sunday's game. I, I don't want to say that the that the best thing to happen, you know, or the worst thing to happen for the Sixers was Bayard being ruled out. But RJ was awful Saturday night, and his his plus minus over yeah. the last like three weeks has been terrible worst in the nba uh over the last 10 games Knicks have been outscored by 84 points um in the 300 plus minutes rj has been on the floor over this 10 game stretch um so again i'm certainly not going to say the knicks are a better team if rj is sick um but a little bit less rj led to fournier who was knocking down shots a little bit of a a a bigger a healthier amount of field goal attempts for rj grimes uh, for quinn grimes who made the most of it um deuce got an extra you know, got some extra playing time. Um, part of that was because he was playing well and was rewarded thusly. Um, but again, uh, the RJ issue uh, is rearing its ugly head a little bit. Um, and he's playing, he has not been playing well. Um, so that may have worked. Maybe a night off worked in his favor and it, it seemed to work in the Knicks' favor last night. Yeah, it was tough because he had the, the great game against Miami and then he kind of followed that up with a stinker against the Clippers. What I will say is, I did think it was interesting. We talked about this before. You know, Tibbs went with Brunson playing with those backups, and the backups played great, as we've mentioned a bunch. And Tibbs has put RJ in that spot, and yeah. RJ gets in the Miami game. He's played okay, but we talk about that plus minus, and the bench is getting killed for most of the season. Um, maybe it's, it's time for someone else to get that spot in, in terms of if it's Randall, or if it's if it's uh, if it's uh, uh, obviously you know Brunson. But that I thought was interesting. No, those guys played much better with. Brunson running the show with them than with uh with RJ. 
we had been asking Tibbs to stagger the minutes for Brunson right. and Randall. So one of them is on the floor to start the fourth. Maybe his hand was forced uh, because of right. no RJ, but it certainly worked well. And I, that was the key stretch of the game. Um, Nick's, uh, you know, one possession game entering the fourth quarter. You assume the Sixers are finally going to, you know, start to dominate here and, and, and put these, you know, scrappy Knicks away. Um, at the, at the exact opposite happens. OB three, McBride three. Fournier, a pair of threes, and then Brunson and Randall to close the show. So, uh, well done. Yeah, yeah. If he, if he, if if Tib makes the adjustment of moving IQ in for Brunson earlier in the first quarter, that would allow you to avoid the three small guards out there, and you can keep, um, you can keep, you know, Brunson out there, and then pair him with Grimes or somebody else, and have Deuce out there, and you're fine. So, I think that's something the Knicks could definitely have to explore after that big one. But, um. One of the teams, as we move to the trade deadline, uh, and, and we'll talk about Kyrie in a bit, but one of the teams pegged as potential sellers at this trade deadline is the Utah Jazz, and we're hearing more of the Knicks' interest in some of their key players. We've talked a lot about Lee Beasley, but now another player has been added to those uh, conversations. So uh, Michael Scott of Hoopsite reported that the Knicks and Jazz have had discussions about a deal that would send Obi Toppin and Evan Fournier to Utah in exchange for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Scotto says the Jazz are seeking a first-round pick for each of their veterans. And he's not the only one reporting that. Uh, Jake Fisher is reporting that as well. That apparently the Jazz see all their veterans on their team. They think they're all each worth at least one first-round pick. So in this trade, I guess the Knicks are trying to sell the Jazz that Toppin could be the equivalent of a first-round pick being sent to Utah. But right now in the negotiations, according to Scotto, the Knicks have been hesitant to attach a first-round pick to move off Fournier's contract because in this deal, the Knicks will have to get two, give up two first round picks to get both Beasley and Vanderbilt. I mentioned that uh, Fisher said that, you know, as well, that both of these players are deemed to be first round values by the Utah Jazz. He says there have been similar trade packages involving Beasley and Vanderbilt, not just with the Knicks, but also with Atlanta and Portland. So, uh, uh, do you like the idea of a Vanderbilt Beasley package coming to uh, New York? I think there's there. It makes sense in a certain respect, you know. As I've kind of said over the last few weeks, if I'm the Knicks, uh, unfortunately, I think they're going to move Obi Top, and I think it's probably um, it, at this point, if you're not going to play, if you you know, even last night when, when the rest of the bench, you know, when Fournier played 24 and uh, McBride 23, Obi still only played 13 minutes. Um, you know, with Randall and the you know attached at the hip with. Um, the, the head coach it's just hard to envision a role you know if, if randall's healthy and 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 thibodeau's in town i just it, how there's just not a, there's not an opportunity for obi to prove himself um and we're just not going to find out what player he is that only gets more complicated as we enter the offseason when obi's extension eligible how much is a is you, you, there's two questions there is obi Toppin worth uh you know a, a considerable 40 million dollar extension 50 million dollar extension maybe but you know does he have that type of upside to be a player to return value on the contract potentially but we don't really know but more importantly uh, you can't give that much money to a player that's going to average 12 minutes a night um Right. And and for Randall's in the first year of a four year contract extension. You know, he's not going anywhere, um, assuming the Knicks are content. Um, and, 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 you know, so if and so if you're going to trade Toppin, you should trade him now. 
in the offseason, his value is going to decrease a little bit from where it is right now. If you wait until next February's deadline, then you're really in trouble because we saw, you know, the Wizards, for instance, traded Rui Hachimura, a guy who's averaged 14 points per game for his career in, you know, 20 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, certainly has produced more, you know, has more uh, production on his resume, far more than Obi Toppin. And the Wizards got, you know, three second rounders back. Um, if the if the Knicks uh, end up using the eighth overall selection on a national college player of the year and four years later have three second rounders, you know, to show for it, um, that's not a, that's not not ideal asset management. So again, part of this whole thing is asset management. You have an asset that has some value. Um, so I expect them to shop top and, uh, you know, heavily um, in the next three days. Um, as far as this particular deal is concerned, it makes sense because um, Vanderbilt's going to give you some defensive versatility. Um, you know, a six, nine forward uh, can guard the four, can guard the five a little bit, can guard the three a little bit. Um, you know, not, a, not certainly not an offensive stud, averages six points for his career, um, but isn't inefficient, you know, 58% shooter, um, below average three-pointer. You don't want to make him, you know, taking or making too many threes, 63% free throw shooter. He's going to get hit, you know, he's going to make his bones on the defensive end, um, you know, as a connector offensively. Um, and, you know, he's there's value there um, for a player that's, that's going to come off the bench for you and, and, and you know as as a role player uh, Beasley uh, is going to provide the Knicks with uh, offensive you know sharp shooting um, you know basically a younger version of uh, of uh, Evan Fournier um, on the season um, Beasley is shooting uh, averaging 13.5 points and 3.1 made three pointers in 27 minutes a night shooting 40% from the floor which you don't love basically league average 36% from downtown. Uh, he has one year left on his contract set to make 16.5 million. Um, so if you're going to move those pieces, I, I think that that that's the type of, um, you know, players you're probably going to, you know, get in return. Um, some upside there Beasley can get hot and give you 25 minutes, you know, won't shock if he gives you 25 points on, on any given night. Um, yeah. Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt is a Tibbs type guy just in terms of his approach, energy, effort, mentality, defensive first guy. Um, to me, it all comes down to the, the draft capital attached. Um, even if it is a first round pick and or, a, you know, multiple first round picks, depending if they hold on to Obi. Um, if they get a player, if they trade for Vanderbilt, I assume Obi's gone because it, it makes no sense to keep right. Obi and, and, and have Vanderbilt. Um, to me, it all comes down again. It all comes down to the the draft capital, and if it's first round pick and or picks, it's all about protections. Um, we know that all first round picks are not created equal. Um, obviously, the Knicks shouldn't even be entertaining any of their unprotected first rounders in twenty twenty seven or twenty twenty nine or even twenty twenty five. If they want to give, if they want to include one of the, the the Wizards pick they have coming back, the Bucks pick they have coming back, um, that certainly makes more sense. I'm I'm willing to listen. Um, but it's important to note the Knicks were the Knicks and Jazz were on the one yard line on the Donovan Mitchell deal, which essentially broke down because the Knicks yeah. didn't. The Knicks wanted to um, have top five protections on one of the first round picks they were sending to Utah. Um, so you know, there's not a great vibe between Danny Ainge, Utah, and the Knicks. Um, we'll see if that has you know if that that ice has thawed a little bit. Um, but again, Ainge is notorious for for trying to extract as much as possible. Um, so I, my sense is that it will come down to those protections, and we'll see if either side budges. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this deal that's proposed, I don't love it personally. It's not necessarily well. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I'm a, I've always been a big Obi Toppin fan. If you put me gun to my head and say who's my favorite player on this team, it's probably Obi Toppin. 
Um, I understand this, the reality of the situation, his inability to get on the court because of the situation the Knicks have as a roster where you have uh, Randall as your star player and him playing at such a high level. So I understand that his days are seem to be numbered. With that being said, I don't really quite understand the concept of bringing Vanderbilt in if you're going to replace Obi Toppin with the guy because considering the way the Knicks play offensively, they're, they're, you know Obi Toppin has turned himself into a pretty decent shooter. So if you're going to put Vanderbilt in that position. In, yeah. in, incredibly, Toppin has more three-pointers, 53-pointers, than two-point field goals this season, 49. Yeah. Um, that's a that's that's a reflection on the Knicks coaching staff poorly right. poorly using an, an incredibly athletic dynamic player who averaged twenty points a game uh, for Dayton, but that's that's good here and there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's the way they've used him. So if you're bringing in Vanderbilt, who's going to play the Obi Toppin role, I mean, if, if Vanderbilt's going to stand in the corner, he's not giving you anything offensively. Now, I I like Vanderbilt in a vacuum. I I liked Vanderbilt. I, funny, I was at summer league a couple years ago. And I, he might be playing with OKC. I forgot who he was. But I remember kind of watching him like, this kid Vanderbilt. I know he played at Kentucky. He didn't play a lot there. But really athletic, rangy, could defend. Like, I was very impressed with him. So I haven't been surprised that, you know, he's gotten now a lot of time playing in Minnesota, now playing in Utah. Like, I, I like I like him as a player. I just look at him on his team. Defensively, I see where he can add some, 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 some value. But as a five-man, he offers no rim protection. So I don't know if Tibbs is going to be willing to play small ball five for them. And then, you know, while he's a good defensive player, offensively, like I said, he can't really shoot. I mean, he's shooting 33% from three this year, but that's on very low volume. He's not typically a shooter. So I don't really feel like you need to take him back in this deal. Like, you're trying to get Beasley, I understand. But I, I really wasn't interested in Vanderbilt for this team based on how the Knicks are constructed and how they play offensive basketball. Um, Beasley, I, I understand, and I think that he's a guy the Knicks should be targeting. Uh, the first-round pick thing is going to be interesting because – um we still really you know it's so weird with the knicks because like we know their plan but we don't exactly know their plan so we know they value these picks because so they feel like they can package them all to get a star so whenever i hear michael beat uh, excuse me malik beasley and say okay you know will we attack the first round pick for him i'm like i mean does this hurt your chances of getting whatever future star you're trying to get i know you have a ton of first round picks but like I, if if this has any a, a chance of halting that i would not make the trade but if that's not the case, you tell me, okay, things have changed and maybe there isn't a star coming down the pike, then, I mean, definitely not any of those unprotected picks or any of your own picks. But if you want to give up again, the Milwaukee pick, one of those Detroit picks, whatever, I mean, at that point, maybe why not? But but I, I, that was the thing for me when I saw this was I understand Beasley, Vanderbilt. I understand because of, like, his, the type of player he is, like, def- again, the defense, things like that, he definitely would fit in. Which is in that regard, I just think he'd be used terribly on this team, just like Obi Toppin has been used terribly. So that was my my trouble with this trade. Yeah, I mean, I think Vanderbilt, the idea is you get a guy that doesn't need offense. And, you know, that's right. basically yeah. the way they're using Obi, you know, 13 right, minutes a yeah. night. You know, if he gets a couple shots, great. You know, I think he took two, had two field goal attempts. Vanderbilt, he's not going to stretch the floor and you're not probably not going to put him in the corner. Um, maybe he stays in the dunker spot, but just basically stay out of the way. Let our guys who we want to feed offensively get their shots up, you know, whether it's Randall, uh, whether it's Grimes or, you know, RJ or, or IQ or Brunson, who was ever playing, you know, uh, with with that group, um, and Vanderbilt would would potentially be more content to be less of an offensive threat, um, and in that sense. Uh, so, but I but I see what you're saying. If you you know right now um, you have Obi standing in the corner, 
um, basically, you know, trying to draw his defender out, out uh, away yeah. from the rim, whereas, the, you know, the, the, whoever's defending. Um, uh, Vanderbilt, you're letting him shoot. You're letting yeah. him shoot. You're, you know, you're, you're weak side helping all day. You're basically one foot right. in the paint, one foot outside. And, and if he takes a three, you're, you're happy with that offensive possession. Um, so, so that could be an issue. Um, so, yeah, it, it's certainly not an ideal marriage. Um, but in a sense, it, it could be um, it would make more sense to, for him to play that role than, than kind of misusing Obi. Um, so right. if I'm if I'm the Jazz or another team, I love the idea of getting Toppin in house um, and finding oh, out yeah. what type of player he can be, um, because I, I think he's been badly mismanaged by by New York since the minute he arrived. Um, so you're basically I'd much rather have Obi than a, you know, than a, a top 10 protected pick or, you know, whatever the case might be. I just think there's a lot there of not only is he going to contribute down the road, but he's going to contribute uh, immediately. Um, I, I just think there's a ton of untapped potential right there and upside um, that I'd love to kind of uncover and, and roll the dice on. Yeah, it's funny because, like, when I think about it, like of all the teams Obi Toppin could go to, I would n- not want to see Danny Ainge. Get the possibility of unlocking the player that we think will be top to be. That would that would definitely not 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 be good news for for a lot of Nick fans. So we'll see what happens. An interesting trade uh, rumor, nonetheless. I think the fact that we keep hearing the Knicks attached to Beasley tells me that they're they're very interested. Now, will a deal happen? It may come down to that first round pick and whether or not they want to attach to Fournier. And I don't think I would do it, but again, I, they they do need scoring punch. So uh, unless if there's not another option anywhere else in terms of getting a guy who can come off the bench and shoot, I know they've looked at Steve Bay. Uh, you would think maybe Bay will probably also need – you probably have to attach a, a protective first for him too. So it uh, should be interesting, interesting to follow nonetheless when it comes to uh, the, the Knicks trade situation with Beasley and some of these other guys. One last point on uh, Vanderbilt. Very team-friendly contracts, making $4.6 million yes. next season, one year left on his deal. So that's – anytime you get a rotation player, making less than $5 million, that's great. And one other thing in terms of the whole, uh, you don't want to give up uh, first-round picks because you want that massive pick package that you can send off for a star. Um, again, I think there is value there, especially a team-friendly contract on Vanderbilt and even uh, Beasley at, at $65 million. It's not bad. If I'm a team that's trading Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns, whoever that next star is, just throwing names out, whoever that next star is that demands a trade, uh, if I'm Minnesota or Phoenix or whoever, I'd probably prefer Vanderbilt on a team-friendly contract. Even if you don't want the player immediately, you can flip him to another team for, uh, yeah. you know, you know, for another. So there, there is just because the Knicks. Uh, it's important to keep in mind over the next three days, just because if the Knicks do package some of these picks and can, and again, they need to consolidate them in some way, shape or form. If they do consolidate them for a player that doesn't preclude them from including that player that they've now received for a star um, in July or August or next December, whatever the case might be. That is a, absolutely a fair point. and needs to be addressed. So thank you for, of course, for putting that out there as well. So um, the Kyrie Irving era in Brooklyn is over. After the star point guard requested a trade out of Brooklyn, the Nets shipped Kyrie and Marquise Morris to Dallas in exchange for former Net, now again current Net, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, and two second-round picks. Irving's arrival with Kevin Durant to Brooklyn came with a lot of attention. Both stars spurned the Knicks and declared the Nets the new team of New York City, the new cool team of New York. But the duo shared minimal success on the court together. They had injuries, suspensions, 
sit out because of the vaccine. Um, and because of all that, they played just 74 regular season games together. They won just one playoff series in their three and a half years together in Brooklyn. To Dallas now pairs Kyrie with superstar Luka Doncic. So the hope is that they can keep Kyrie on the right track and make it run out of the title. Though the one thing I did read last time I, I, I was following up on the story that there is no intention to sign Kyrie any extension right now. They know there's a chance that he could very well just be a rental for this season, which is extremely fascinating considering that gamble that Dallas made giving up two quality players. Meanwhile, attention in Brooklyn turns to Kevin Durant to see if he will want to stick out, uh, stick it out with the Nets team that he had requested a trade from this summer and then rescinded that trade request and decided to recommit to the organization. So a lot happening. And, and we will talk about how this impacts the Knicks moving forward because, you know, Knicks do have Dallas's picks or something to think about. But first, just on the Kyrie Irving part of this and the Kyrie's time in the city, how would you best summarize it? Big three, the, the, you know, when they got together, when the, when the Nets traded for hard and there was talk, um, and I, I, I quickly Googled it on, on Saturday, they ranked the best big three of all time. And the this Bleach Report article had them ahead of, um, I, I think it was like Magic, Kareem, and Worthy, but behind, you know, Harden, uh, Bird, Parrish, and, and McHale. It's just Crazy. ridiculous. Ultimately, they end up playing 16 games together. Um, you know, when, when one playoff series, two first rounds, you know, basically since the 2019, since Kyrie arrived, you know, two first round sweeps, one first round, uh, one playoff victory, um, one Alex Jones, Instagram post, uh, an anti, one anti-Semitic film that's promoted, um, three trade demands, two vaccinations, just a a nightmare and an an incredible, uh, uh, turn of events. Um, which which leads me to the, just to be absolutely shocked that teams are still willing to roll the dice on Kyrie Irving. Um, I thought Nets did a great job getting value back um, from Dallas. Um, I love the trade from Brooklyn's perspective. Um, you know, it, it, you, you get Spencer Dinwiddie, who is now healthy, playing well, and has succeeded in Brooklyn. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith's a fantastic role player, great defender. Dallas is going to miss him a ton on the defensive end. Um, yeah. So just from a Brooklyn perspective, you create more minutes for Ed, Edward Sumner um, and Ken Thomas, who exploded for 44 points in the first game without Kyrie. Um, and just getting off of the toxic headache that is Kyrie Irving is, is addition by subtraction, from my perspective, for Brooklyn. Um, right. And I'm certainly not going to speak for Net fans, but wouldn't you rather almost win, uh, r- rather lose with Sumner and Cam Thomas and the young guys and, and a good team you can root for than, than you know, than win with a, a playoff round or two with Kyrie Irving? Um, I'd be interested to see how Net fans feel. I think they'll finally, I think they defended him for a long time because he was on their team. Now I think they can can finally let their, their vengeance out. Um, from the Dallas yeah. perspective, the first thing I thought of was uh, – Last January, so basically 12 months ago, the Brunson family, Rick and and Jalen, were willing to sign a four-year, $55 million extension with the Mavericks. This is not speculation. Rick Brunson has gone on record. Um, I believe it was in in a Chris Hayes article interview. Um, But he has gone on record saying we were willing to sign that contract. Um, They were the, the, The Mavs were discussing the same contract extensions with Finney Smith and and Brunson. 
Dallas declined. They said, no, nah, we're going to give us another month or so. We might trade. If we trade Brunson, is that contract prohibitive in a deal? Um, we're trying to you know, make a deep run yeah. this year. We're not sure about his long-term fit with, with next to Luka Doncic, et cetera. Um, uh, so right before the deadline, I think they came back and they realized they weren't going to make a deal. And they said, okay, okay, Jalen, we'll do it. You know, four years, 55. <laughs> he said, nah, I'm straight. Um, uh, Doncic had missed basically three weeks. Uh, Brunson went into the starting lineup, average like 24 and seven. We know yeah. what, we've seen what happened. Um, second half of the season, Brunson plays even better. Playoffs, Brunson, you know, averages 35 over the first three games against Utah. Dominates uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, interestingly yeah. enough. Um, this offseason, as we know, comes to New York. Um, Mavericks, so instead of signing Brunson for four years, 55 million, 13 months later, they trade Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, an unprotected 2029 pick. Um, some some fans were saying, well, yeah, it's five years down the line. Who cares? No, that means there's a greater likelihood that Doncic will not be yeah. that by the time that pick right, is made. Exactly. Um, two second rounders for a player um, that is that I, you know, that, that, that's quite frankly has not been as good not and not nearly as consistent or reliable as Jalen Brunson. Um, so for a from a Dallas perspective, a massive gamble, uh, one I certainly would not have taken. The Mavs have one of the <laughs> preeminent talents to come into the NBA in my lifetime. Luka Doncic has a chance to be one of the five greatest players to ever set foot on an NBA basketball court. No player in league wow. history has played as well over the first four years, five years of their career as Doncic has. Um, he's just that good. Multiple MVPs in the Spanish ACB League before he came, you know, th this guy's credentials are second to none. His shot making, his, 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 you know, just gutsy the way he approaches the game. If he ever gets in great shape, um, that's a big caveat there. Um, again, he has a chance to be one of the best players we've ever seen, certainly of, of his generation. To introduce, the, to to bring in that player, to bring the, in that environment a player as toxic as Kyrie Irving, I thought is organizational malpractice. Um, wow. I, I, could it work out? Sure. Um, anything's possible in the NBA. The one saving grace, I think, from the from the Mavs perspective is getting off um, Finney Smith's money. Who's it's not a bad contract by any means, but getting right. off his money and getting off Dinwiddie's. Uh, he has one year left on his contract. Was only partially guaranteed. Does allow the Mavs to enter next offseason with basically max cap space should they choose to part ways um, with with Kyrie Irving, which I would suggest they do, no matter how well he plays. <laughs> months um again people are saying well he has to prove himself before he hits free agency he needed to do that in brooklyn you know that was the yeah, one yeah. Grace him coming back for one season was oh well he'll be on his best behavior the dude you know tweets out a link to an anti-semitic film you know tweets alex jones refuses to apologize for it gets suspended they come, you know, then finally returns, shuts up for a couple weeks. The the the, the Nets win, you know, basically go on like a, a 12 and one streak. They look like yeah. the championship contenders. Kyrie says, the reason we're playing better is because we're not allow allowing that outside noise. I'm such a great leader. I'm not allowing it. A week, uh, you know, five minutes later, he demands a trade, makes a public. The morning of the trade says, I may not, you know, leaks that he may not play the rest of the season if they don't trade him, further tanking his value. This is a guy, keep in mind, it's important to remember, 2018, two years in Boston, the Celtics had a better record, had a higher winning percentage in the games he did not play 
than the games yeah. he did play his two years in Boston. His four years with New Jersey, the, uh, four years with oh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The, yeah. the Nets have a higher winning percentage in the games he did not play than the games he has played. Yet teams are still enticed by that 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 layup package and the really cool in and out dribbles, um, and, and are willing to give up all these 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 terrific assets. And it wasn't just the Mavericks. Shockingly, the Lakers were willing to attach to for you know give up their two yeah. twenty seven and twenty nine picks. The Suns with Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and draft capital. Um, I I I I am shocked that teams have not learned their lessons with this guy. Um, you know, he's not someone you can count on. He's not somebody you can rely on. He's told you that over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the girl that's really cute and really yep. attractive, but she yeah. cheats on every boyfriend she has. And the, and, and, but you know, the guy still tells his buddy, listen, I'll change her, you know, we'll make yeah. it work. She'll be loyal to me. Um, good luck to Dallas is all I can say. Wow. Tommy letting the chopper ring did not, did not expect all that, but but uh, but definitely let 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 them let him fire, man. Look, uh, here's here's what I will say. First of all, before I even get to my point, uh, I do think that uh, we just got uh, we just got word from J- James Dolan, who James Dolan came out of woodworks. He wants to say some words about this now that Brooklyn and the era of Kyrie Irving and the scary hours era is officially over. This is uh, James Dolan. Rest in piss to all my ops. Okay, that's enough. Now we really celebrating. Okay, I'm not. I'm joking. That's not James Dolan. That's that's Carmelo Hayes, WWE NXT superstar. Oh wait, no. This this right here is James Dolan. Finally, my bad. Hit the wrong sounder. This is James Dolan on the Kyrie Irving trade. Tell me a little something, KD. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? Okay, of course that was not James Dolan as well. That was a random dude during the side talk video. Um, but <laughs> look, that that is the feeling of a lot of Nick fans. I mean, a lot of people are uh, dancing on their grave. A lot of R.I.P. Bozo for Kyrie Irving himself, who talked so much about even the season when they beat the Knicks. He said, "I love beating the Knicks," um, which is like, okay, dude. <laughs> and then um, the, all the comments over the years about how the Nets were going to take over the city and this was going to be a new era of New York City basketball. So all that's done. Um, in terms of the trade from the Nets in in um, Mavs standpoint, I think the Mavs. So much of this is, I think, beyond even basketball sense. I think a lot of it is you have a superstar who knows he doesn't have enough offensive help. So it, sometimes it's just trying to show them that hey, we're trying to get you offensive help. We'll get you another star to pair with you because these guys they they seem to think that this is the way to win in the, in the NBA nowadays. So. I think a lot of that has to do with really trying to entice Luca to say, hey, we're not a dumpster fire. And here, like, let's here's a star. And now you have a real shot to win because you have Kyrie Irving. All the, the points you make about the numbers and teams being better without him suggest maybe this isn't the earth shattering news in terms of on the court success for Dallas that it may suggest given Kyrie's you know pedigree as being a guy who's a former NBA champion, a guy with the, maybe the biggest shot in NBA history. But uh, but but still, I think that, that a lot of that that that's a lot of what this is. And if you got a shot at it, I think you got to show Luca that you're trying. I do think from the net standpoint, this is a pretty decent return. I mean, at 2029 unprotected first, that's a big gamble for Dallas to give that up. Now maybe they have a better sense that Luca's not going anywhere than I do. They you hope they they do because he's in their facility, he's in their organization, but. I mean, this Dallas thing has felt like for even even after last year's run to the conference finals, 
it's felt like for a couple of years now they've kind of been treading there and spinning their wheels. So this idea that, you know, they're going to turn around and they're going to be a championship contender and Luca will be content to stay, I'm not totally convinced of that. Uh, so you get that 29 first round pick, that's big. And then for the Nets and these players, I mean, Justin Dinwiddie's a guy that, you know, played well for them when he was there. He's played better since he got to Dallas. He was terrible in Washington. He played well. He's got to Dallas. I've always really liked Dorian Finley-Smith. Really good defender. Really good shooter. He's the kind of guy you can win with. So there are nice pieces to to lose to, to get after losing Kyrie Irving. Do I think the Nets now have a chance to come out of the East? No, I don't. I think that this they're still, I think, a worse team losing Kyrie Irving in the sense that on the court, I think that in these playoff series against these top teams, I wanted to make shot makers that you have you could possibly have. So KD having to kind of carry the load offensively, I don't think that's going to be much of a recipe success for this team. But I do think that there is now a foundation there to maybe build upon this team with these assets, whether it's moving these guys for somebody else or moving some of the guys they got in their team to get some other star or whatever. So it's not all lost in Brooklyn, but definitely a blow and definitely quite the embarrassment considering all the hoopla that came with the Irving move to Brooklyn. I think there's a – if I'm a Nets fan, I'm more confident in my team advancing to the conference finals, You know, making a deep run in the playoffs – this today than I am that I was on Saturday. I again, I just can't rely on Kyrie. You, you know, keeping Kyrie Irving past the deadline assumes that he's going to play again. Assume that he's not going to take two weeks off at some point. It assumes right. you know again, and, and as you noted in our previous podcast, he's going to stay healthy. You know, this guy that, right. that, that, that had injury issues. Um, you know, and and as far as you know, it's a Knicks podcast, obviously. As far as the the Knicks impact, uh, you know, from the Knicks own the Mavericks first round pick this season. Um, yeah. It's top ten protected, so it will almost certainly convey. Um, will it be 19, 17, 22? Um, is there a better chance that the that the Mavs have a have a have a stronger finish to the rest of the regular season? I suppose so. Kyrie Irving will be motivated, I guess. Um, but who's that backcourt going to stop? Like, when are they going to get stops in the in the yeah. fourth quarter? Especially in the postseason, Kyrie and Luca are going to are going to defend. You give up your best perimeter defender in, in DFS. Um, uh, you know, again, the, the, you know, I thought they had a good um, recipe for success with a guy, you know, kind of a, 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 a Jalen Brunson type player who's not going to demand the ball. Will 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 defer to Luca when you know when they share the floor together and Luca rests, then he can kind of. Take over the offense. Is Kyrie going to be? You know, I'm sure they'll stagger minutes at some point and maybe get Lucas a much needed rest. That that could certainly be a benefit. Um, but I just don't see in fourth quarters how these guys are going to share the floor together. Will there yeah. be? Will Kyrie have a 50 point game for the Mavs? I think so, probably. You know, if I had to bet. Right. But again, I can't count on this man, this individual, because um, he's proven to me again and again and again and again. Um, that when the chips are down, he's not the. Did he hit a big shot against the Cavs? Was he awesome in that series with the Cavs against the Warriors? Absolutely. But that's what the Celtics told themselves when they made a big trade for yeah. him. Didn't work out. That's what the Nets told themselves when they, you know, when they signed him. And that's what they told themselves again when he, you know, disappointed their first season. And that's what they told themselves again when he disappointed the second season. Um, that's what he disappointed again when he got injured and 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 just and refused to get vaccinated, which forced the Nets to trade James Harden for Ben Simmons. Who's a you know who, who who's right. lost right now? Um, again, wherever this guy has gone, it's, we have five years. We have a body of evidence of five years now um, where it hasn't worked out. Um, could it work out? And you know maybe the Mavs make a short term bet. Could it work out for four months? Certainly, he's just that talented. I'm, I'll never doubt his offensive brilliance because he's he is just that brilliant. Um, but if I'm if I'm wagering 
If I have a superstar in place in Luka Doncic, for me, it made sense for the Lakers to roll the dice on, right. on the toxicity that is Kyrie Irving because they base they're, they're the 13th seed in the West. And they basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, they have nothing to lose. Um, right. I, you know, LeBron's, you know, uh, 38. You know, AD. Who knows yeah. how long you're going to have him in house? So for a team like the for a team like the the the, the Lakers, I thought it made some sense. Even a team like the Suns, it seems like they're obviously trending in the wrong direction. Um, you know, maybe to shake things up and 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 you know yeah. get, get kind of get back on track. That could make some sense. Um, but for a team like the Mavs with a generational talent of Luka Doncic um, to try to delude themselves and convince themselves that Kyrie will play hard for us and and not cause any waves, I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a gamble. It is a major gamble. It's a gamble that you know. Again, I, I understand because of the because of the implications of hey, now you can tell Luka you got him a star, but it's Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so so it's like it's a yeah, there's a big yeah, but when you tell Luka. You got him another star. The one thing I will say when it comes to the Knicks and, and, and how this affects the East, one, the Dallas pick, we'll see how that goes. You know, I'm not going to freak out. I know some Knicks fans were kind of freaking out that, you know, this is Dallas's pick and Knicks have that pick. So will that, you know, get up? Will that, will that you know, worsen the, the value of the pick? I mean, we just have to see. I mean, they got to. They're going to have to play these games. It's not like there's a, you know, we kind of forget there's not that many games left in the season. There's like only 28, 29 games left in the season for most teams. So, even if they do play great, I don't see them going from this being the 20th pick to the 30th pick or anything like that. You're talking about maybe a four or five team move probably in terms of where this will be. Um, the other thing as well is two other quick notes. One, I do – this is a net team that I think Knicks will want to face in the postseason now. Like, you know, we got to talk about these matchups that could happen um, with these some of these top teams. And we saw Philly and how the Knicks can match it with them. Knicks have won two out of three against them this year. If you're talking about a net team without Kyrie Irving, and it's just Kevin Durant. If you're talking about Philly, you're talking about Boston, who we think will probably won, but let's say they, they slip. Um, uh, who's the other team? Cleveland or some of these other teams that Knicks could play. If you're talking about a 2-7, 3-6 matchup, Milwaukee, obviously. Uh, Brooklyn's the team I'm running to because they're a team that now has a massive change in their in their team. So you're, you're talking about you know the, uh, the, the the chemistry being thrown off already. And now you have you're banking on only one Kevin Durant, and you don't know what his health's going to be. He's coming back from this knee injury, taking him a little longer than we thought. So I, I do wonder in terms of how Brooklyn kind of holds the standings. One, if this can move up, but if there's a matchup that happens now, I wouldn't know no part of Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving. Now, if you're talking about a Knicks Nets matchup, I want all the smoke with Nets. I I respectfully disagree. I, you know, we saw really? how poor, we saw how poorly Kyrie played in the in the in the first. I think the last four games of that last three games that uh, of the sweep against the Celtics last season, he shot like thirty six percent from floor, average yeah. 14, 17 points. I think um, uh, again they got swept. The I like the I I'd rather have I don't want to say I'd rather, but I don't I don't think there's a massive downgrade. You know, you can play Sumner, give you some defense. Cam Thomas can give you 30 points. You bring in Dinwiddie, who's more than capable to, you know, he plays well on the big stage. Um, he's not gonna back down. He, he loves playing against the Knicks. Um, DFS yeah. is a great perimeter defender. Again, like fantasy-wise, I'd much rather have Kyrie, but like from a team chemistry standpoint, Nick Claxton's playing at a much better level. I don't want to play any of those top teams. Um, and if I right. had to choose, I'd probably still, you know 
pick the Nets because um, they, they don't have that home run. Kyrie gives them that home run hitter that can take over in the fourth quarter, as we saw Kyrie dominate New York uh, just you know yeah. last week. So again, it's it, but I I don't think there's a, a massive you know swing one way or the other. I, I, again, I really think the Nets did a good job kind of patching holes with a, their ceiling is not maybe not be as high, but I think their floor is a little bit higher, um, and they'll be more consistent over the over the rest of the second half of the season. And one final thing, NBA, do the right thing. Put Jalen Brunson in the All-Star game. Kyrie Irving, not officially a Western Conference player. He could take Steph Curry's spot. That opens up the spot for the East. Jalen Brunson and James Harden had their, you know, WWE-style eliminator, you know, winner gets into the All-Star game match, and Jalen Brunson was declared the winner, so therefore he should get that spot. That has to be how this goes. Let's get Jalen Brunson to Salt Lake City. He showed in that game as well. He deserves to be an All-Star. Um, and, and he had a, we kind of glossed over it because we didn't talk about Saturday, but he had a monster performance on Saturday 41 points. I mean, he, he was a killer on Saturday. I mean, he definitely is an all star this year. Let's hope he gets in 41 points on 19 field goal attempts. First player in Knicks history, more than 40 points, fewer than 20 shots to go along with five rebounds, five assists Saturday night. And we barely bat in an eye. That's how good Jalen <laughs> yeah. in the season. Incredible. But uh, that's going to do it though for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. Should be a fun week, this guy's uh, fun week this week. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys soon. It definitely should be a fun one. Uh, EJ underscore Stewards, where you can find me on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That'll do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. Remember, you can get these podcasts wherever you get them, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature so you can get these episodes. We'll be back later this week talking free trade deadline, probably talking post that trade deadline. So a lot of stuff happens. We want to keep it locked here. Again, hit that auto download feature. Make sure you follow us on YouTube as well. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel to watch these episodes. That's going to do it for this edition of Orange Blue Bloods. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.